he plays Ted Bundy. It's just so weird to me. I'm like, I'm not supposed to like you, but... And to somebody who watched their kids watch High School Musical um, over and over and over again, it's very hard to um, switch in my brain to see him not bouncing a basketball and singing a song. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) To becoming one of the most vile men in America. Mm -hmm. Right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And my name is Allison. And today's episode is very special because this uh, circles back to our very first episode when we reviewed the Ted Bundy tapes. If you guys remember in last week's episode, we mentioned we would be watching Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile the Ted Bundy movie starring Zac Efron. And for this episode, we have a special guest. If you remember in our episode with uh, Black Summer, we had Lane Andreessen. We have Karen Andreessen. Lane's wife, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Yeah, we wanted Karen to be on this episode because I think Karen is a self-proclaimed lover of Netflix streaming. I, she watches a lot of TV. <laughs> absolutely am. I watch far, far too much TV and I enjoy talking about it far too much also. When I first started working here and I was about six months in, I remember I used to sit over by Karen in the office and she'd be like, I'd just see her head pop up when we were talking about something like, you guys talking about this show? And so I knew that she'd be perfect for this. And she has seen the Ted Bunny tapes as well. So I knew it'd be a good yes. follow up. Yeah. Karen's in, um, similar company right now yes we're all very excited and we're excited to have her here yes and she has a lot of notes i love when our guests have a lot of notes (laughs) and she brought her reading glasses (laughs) i did i'm so old now that i actually have to go to reading glasses and i did not want to not be able to read my notes (laughs) that's all right even though they are just typed out it's handwritten so yeah um so if you're unfamiliar with extremely wicked I'm not going to say the whole name because it's a mouthful. If you're unfamiliar with it, it is available on Netflix. It was just released on May 3rd. So by the time you hear this, a little over a week ago, um, it's about an hour and 49 minutes long, which in my opinion was kind of short. I agree. I feel like there definitely could have been more. Again, if you've seen uh, Confessions with the Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, uh, this is a pretty spot on follow-up to that I guess it's directed by the same guy I think is it I'm pretty sure it's it's directed by the same guy uh Joel Berlinger Berlinger Berlinger. who apparently also directed the Blair Witch sequel nice (laughs) Mm. which I heard was really bad it was I never watched the Blair Witch sequel but the first one scared the shit out of me when I was a kid oh yeah the first like that was like the original like found footage yeah those movies are scary to well me. I wouldn't say the original there are some other ones but like the first like mainstream I yeah. would say mm-hmm. um but anyway so I would say I don't know I haven't seen this the sequel to Blair Witch but I would hope that this is better than that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we know that this was kind of I don't know if you would call it controversy like shrouded in controversy but Netflix acquired the rights to this film after the Ted Bundy tapes came out and it was such a wild success mm-hmm. that Netflix like snatched it up because it only really premiered at the um, Sundance Film Festival in Utah just a few months ago mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think they wanted to kind of keep Ted Bundy in their in their realm than yeah. the Netflix realm so they they snatched this one up after they it had already been put into production and there also was a it was a big deal when the trailer came out because a lot of people were saying that it portrayed him Ted Bundy as this like it it almost like it was like a comedy almost like it was like oh this cool story about this guy named Ted and that made a lot of people mad because he was an awful person and murdered potentially hundreds of women as we know um so I remember there being some controversy over the trailer. It was almost too lighthearted. I remember the music was really upbeat and fun. And so I was a little skeptical to watch this at first because I was afraid it was going to go that route. And in my opinion, it kind of does. But we'll get into that. 
Um, I agree completely. Yeah. I, I think when it came out, people were like, they're trying to make him look too special, not evil right. enough. Like and they he, picked like one of the hottest guys in, ever, in my opinion, Zac Efron. He's sexy. He plays Ted Bundy. It's just so weird to me. I'm like, I'm not supposed to like you, but... And as somebody who watched their kids watch High School Musical um, (laughs) over and over and over again, it's very hard to um, switch in my brain to see him not bouncing a basketball and singing a song (laughs) Yeah, um, (laughs) to becoming one of the most vile men in America. Mm -hmm. Right. And he does, let me just say this right off the bat, he does an amazing job in this. He is very convincing. And I know, you know, what you're thinking, like, oh, we picked, you know, they picked one of the most attractive men in Hollywood. Well, Ted Bundy was attractive, but they look alike. They kind of do. And you know what? (laughs) Lily Collins plays Liz, who this film is meant to be from her perspective. The book that she wrote was Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. And Lily Collins, who's Phil Collins' daughter, if you didn't know. I actually didn't know that. What? No, that's amazing. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she looks a ton like Liz. That one photo that they have of like Liz leaning, they're like in front of the fireplace and like mm-hmm. Ted has his arm around Liz. They recreate that with Lily and Zach and it's creepy how mm-hmm. close it, it really looks. is is that the one he's in like the white shirt and the suspenders like the and he has a little thing. bit of a beard yeah it's like on her desk in the movie when he has the beard he looks so eerily like ted bundy that i actually went back to watch that scene in the bundy tapes it it's it's really bizarre it how is. close they are he should wear a beard more often Zac yeah. Efron, that's my opinion. <laughs> but um, some other notable characters in it. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, you guys. <laughs> he was so adorable. He was. You know what? He's so cute. He, if you didn't know, it's Jerry who uh, is like Liz's coworker, and ultimately. I think um, they get married, don't they? Yeah. Ro- they're romantic, at least in, yeah. the, in the film. And yeah, they do get married, I think. Um, Jim Parsons plays the Florida prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Weird casting but i guess i liked it he didn't have a very big role for it to be such a notable person yeah and then john malkovich plays uh judge cowart who is the judge in florida um so we'll kind of go over the plot a little bit like i said it's meant to be written from the perspective of liz from her memoir that she wrote I think this goes without saying spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. But, I mean, if you've seen the Ted Bundy tapes, you know what happens. It's basically the same thing. But spoilers. Spoiler alert. He dies at the end. <laughs> he, he sure does. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the movie starts um, – well, actually, it starts with Ted in prison. But then it immediately goes into a flashback. There's only a, maybe a minute worth of – it's not really present day, but from when he's in prison. And it – she goes back to Liz at a bar with her friend. She meets Ted. They meet at the jukebox. They dance. They go back to her place, and uh, she had a babysitter, and she kind of says, like, do you want to run away now because, oh, I'm a mom, and I'm assuming, you know, being a single mother in the 70s was a big deal, and unfortunately it still is in some some cases, but uh, he, you know, was not shaken at all, and they – just kind of fall asleep together in her bed like nothing really happens and this part actually scared me she wakes up in the morning her daughter's not in her crib and like that would terrify me too like a strange man in my home and my daughter isn't there like that would terrify me I think that kind of what got me a little bit too was you invited somebody you just met back to your house with your two-year-old daughter in the first night yeah little weird a little bit um but But i guess people didn't have stranger danger back then well no i guess i would just call it parental caution yeah Yeah. maybe and we had talked about this in in the old the first episode where you know things like this didn't happen and so like you know like hitchhikers people did that all the time and then after all these disappearances started happening people didn't do it anymore so maybe doing things like this wasn't a big deal like people didn't snatch babies as often as they probably do now but uh she's you know very worried but goes in the kitchen he's making breakfast he's making coffee he's wearing an apron like he just looks like like a dad just like fits the dad role 
And this is where, for me, the movie gets really, I don't want to say confusing because I knew what was going on because I know the story. I know the timeline from watching the documentary. It kind of immediately jumps to, uh, oh, there's been these disappearances and people think it might be Ted. And like, it it goes so fast into... I, I, I have to agree with that. It was, you started in 1969 and then in five minutes you're at 1974 and people are disappearing. And yeah. You, you make the super general assumption that they are in this great, happy existence for those five years mm-hmm. when those women start disappearing. That's all we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very quick jump. And then all of a sudden, uh, if you remember the, the woman who almost got killed but she got away and she testified against him and that was actually the first time he was convicted was for that attempted kidnapping all of a sudden it jumps to that storyline and liz is like why are they saying that you are the person who did this why are you being uh accused of these crimes like in front of her daughter who's too young to really understand what's going on but that really bothered me and i'm like i know what's going on but if you haven't seen the documentary that has to be so confusing like to just be like, wait, what, what's going on? And then, um, again, like Allison said that this is supposed to be from the perspective of Liz and throughout the entire movie, again, only an hour and 49 minutes, not very long for a movie like this, in my opinion, should have been over two hours. You really don't see much of her and her side of the story. The only thing that you see that I didn't know was she developed an alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, if you started having suspicions that your boyfriend, was a serial killer, I would probably start drinking pretty heavily too, or potentially, you know, taking unhealthy methods to cope with something like this. Cause she's obviously in denial. She is depressed. She doesn't know what is going on. She doesn't know who to believe. She starts, um, her friend is even like, you're in denial. Ted is a dangerous man. And she like kicks her out of her house. And you know, she's, she's really struggling, but you don't really see very much of that. It's really more about Ted and they portray him as this like wrongfully accused man. Like his first lawyer is like, Oh, I can't help you anymore. And he's like, Oh, but I didn't do it. He's all mad. And it, it just makes it seem like it was just this handsome, charismatic guy who was wrongfully convicted because the big thing about this is they don't show any of the murders. No. The only part that they show is at the very end with the head missing. But they don't... I kind of was waiting for that, for like an interjection, a flashback of like Ted, like kind of not brutally like attacking these women, like something along those lines. I mean, I'm not asking for violence. This movie was rated R, so something they could have put in Mm -hmm. to just like, I don't... like show the viciousness show the extremely wicked side of him but they they really only talked about it very like in a censored manner too i agree the only thing i could like think of is from her perspective she did believe he was wronged so maybe that is why they just showed it in the perspective of her like she really wanted to believe that he didn't do this Hmm. yeah I can and see so, that. I because I couldn't figure out how they would, from her perspective, portrayed a lot of these scenes where she wasn't even around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just thinking maybe in her head that's how she's seeing it, or feeling. Yeah. But it's, it's it's very odd. Yeah. And they show. I actually did enjoy the two sequences where Ted escapes. Um, the first one of him jumping out the window, pretending to make a phone call, which again, like, and that scene was really like creepy too. Like there are very few scenes where it actually kind of showed Ted's more sinister side. You know, they want to go get a dog and the dog and everyone knows, you know, animals have that, you know, that keen sense and they can, you know, tell a lot about a person and they look at this dog and he just starts growling and barking at him and they kind of like close in on Ted's face you know, those like dead eyes that he has, mm-hmm. which was really, I liked that. And then the, the other scene where he's in the law office, cause you know, he's a law student, even though he's in jail awaiting trial, uh, they let him, there's no shackles. He gets to just sit in this law office 
which is so stupid. <laughs> but um, that scene where he just keeps calling Liz over and over and over again, and she's so frustrated. And then Haley Joel Osment, what's his character's name? Jerry. Jerry um, is sitting in the office with her, kind of like looking over at her as she keeps taking these calls, obviously looking more and more irritated, doesn't want to talk to him. She's busy at work, and she's obviously hungover too, so she's not feeling well. And he just keeps calling her like, wait, I was talking to you about this book I read about this man who was wrongfully accused of murder. And it's just so creepy. So there are a few scenes where you do get to see a little bit of that, but not really. And no artistic license was taken there. He was not shackled. No. He was given the run of the law library. He could make as many phone calls as he wanted. And that is like, when I was watching the Bundy tapes even, I was like, how did this even happen? This has to be artistic license. And it's not. It is. That is exactly what happened. Mm Mm-hmm. It's insane that they, and we, again, we talked about this before, the the things that they allowed him to do and how he escaped twice is insane. And the first time he just jumped out a window. Yeah. Like when nobody was looking. And I I wonder if it is actually how it was portrayed in the movie, the guards flirting with one of the girls in the courtroom. Oh, Probably not. But. um, Pretty funny. That, it was funny but and he, she was there i assume that the reason that that young lady was there was to watch ted's trial because she was obsessed with ted and that part was you know some people i've heard some complaints some reviews i've read i mean that's what it was like you know women were obsessed with him because they thought he was so handsome and even some of them you know were like i don't know if he did it or not but i don't really care because he's so handsome and like it's really disgusting, but you know, yeah, it's that's that's true. That's what happened. And then I loved the second attempt of escape. Um, but they very, I wish they had showed more of that sequence because he was missing for over forty days. Yeah, I wish they had showed more of Liz being like freaking out, like where is he? Like all we see is him call her from Florida. Mm-hmm. Once he gets caught, mm-hmm. they don't also talk at all about how he had a fake identity. Um, there's a lot of things they skipped over in the movie that only made sense to me because I know what happened, but I feel like was a little disjointed in the movie version. Yeah, I would say that to people who, you know, were born in, you know, 1980 or later, like it wouldn't make sense how somebody could travel from. Colorado to Chicago to Florida with a fake ID because they didn't use photo IDs back then. Mm -mm. It was just a piece of paper. It was so easy to fake it and that he like got his hands on cash and he was able to steal a car and like people don't realize the you know the process that it took to for him to get all the way to Florida and Mm -hmm. commit those other plane too. We mentioned that last time but he He got got on on a freaking plane. Yeah. How just air airline laws and rules now just that baffles me. But we, you know, we live in a post nine eleven world that seems so bizarre to us now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and you wouldn't even think that there'd be like most like wanted posters in places like that for someone who even remotely looks like him. But that's the other thing is there wasn't the interagency collaborations going on. Right. Look how many states he was committing murders in or potentially committing murders in and nobody had any resources to talk to each other not for years for a long time so that's why it was he was able to go on for so long you know he's in washington and utah and colorado and until they put wires out to other states and agencies looking for similar murders they have no idea Mm -hmm. and he even uh, went so far as to kill some women in idaho they believe, and even, I mean, murders way back, we talked about this in the first episode, but back when he was younger, like in Atlantic City and in yeah. New Jersey, he was, um, they believe that's when he started killing people. But um, I I think that the film, you know, from it saying that it's supposed to be from Liz's perspective, my criticism, I guess, my main criticism of it is that there's so many details about it that there's no way that Liz would have known some of these things or known the conversations um, unless, I don't know how she would have been made privy to some of the things, especially the um, things with, oh my God, Carol. Carol Ann. Boone. Carol Ann Boone. There, I, 
I assume that they took some artistic licensing with those kind of conversations and even like the scene where they're having sex in the lunchroom visiting room or whatever. Like, And that's something I read that they weren't supposed to have conjugal visits, no. but they just stopped caring. And they, that's something that Carol Ann was on record saying, like, they just walked in on us sometimes and like they didn't do anything. That's so weird. It is. And like that woman is nuts to think like I love that scene too where they first meet each other and Liz is so wary of her like who is this weirdo Mm -hmm. (laughs) such a super coincidence that you turn up in Utah at the animal shelter that we're looking at a dog and you know you she knows it's not coincidence she knows that she's there because she likes Ted yeah but to become so fascinated with somebody that you start following them and following their career their trial career basically is i is beyond comprehension for me i mean they're both obviously messed up people i mean she fathered a kid with him and like we talked about this where there's photos of her because she was also a young a single mother she'd been divorced i think twice yes beforehand and uh she there's a photo of her and her son and ted and their daughter rose it's just like this cute little family photo while he's in prison like and then i i read about this later after after the fact that um she did divorce him i think in 86 and they've gone off the grid her and her daughter like nobody knows where they are nobody knows anything about them which i would say for for good reason (laughs) you know stay out of the spotlight i wouldn't want to be known as ted bundy's daughter for the rest of my life or ted bundy's ex-wife who knows if she's even alive we don't know anything about her. From what I have read and understand, she is alive. Oh. Um, but they they are way off the grid. Um, Anne Rule, who wrote one of the most popular Ted Bundy um, books, I think called Stranger Beside Me, mm-hmm. um, specifically does not want to know where they are. Because people ask her, she's like, I don't want to accidentally say something that yeah. might lead somebody to them. Because it is understandable, they do not want to be associated with that time in their life. I hope she got some mental health help because she obviously had a lot of problems. And uh, I would say probably the most interesting scene to me was like the last like five minutes where we go back to, you know, the scene from the beginning of the movie Liz goes, I think she just really needs some closure with Ted. And you can see throughout the movie, she stops answering his calls. Like she just kind of abandons him. And they, and I don't like the way they portray that either. He's like, she abandoned me. And he's like, so sad. And it's like, you're a murderer. (laughs) Like, And she's catching on to that and finally starting to believe it. But she goes back to the prison to, to speak with him and and this is how I think that they're married. She has this new ring on her finger. Mm-hmm. And he says it's a it's a beautiful ring. And um, she just does not care at all. And there's a scene where uh, a detective comes to her home, gives her an envelope. She doesn't open it. but She brings the envelope. And she's like, you have to let me go. You have to let me move on from you. Did you do these things? Because she felt guilty. Yeah, because, and then you find out that, well, which we already knew, that she called about him years before, and that's why his name was on a list, because she, you know, saw the the drop of, the drawing of him from the, the day at the lake, where the two women went missing, and was a little suspicious. And, and the Volkswagen Beetle. Yep. And matched the description of the man, and she had this cloud of guilt hanging over her head because for the longest time she thought he was innocent. And I think she kind of still did when she went to visit him that one last time. Uh-huh. She went there f- for him to admit to her. But that is something they don't portray well. No. And I have not read her book. It's out of print. It's very hard to find. I guess really? it's been popping up on Amazon. And people are selling it for thousands of dollars really like it is like people want that book huh um, interesting the hacksaw thing where he writes it is not real no 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 actually she never visited him in prison no no that's frustrating that was such a cool scene it was and the director went that that way because 
how she ended up getting all the closure was he he called it too obtuse to mm-hmm. put together and it was just easier to give a final moment and he wanted closure for the audience to to be able to see her have that one moment with Ted mm-hmm. and say what happened. So yeah, she actually never did well, end for up visiting her. him in prison. Also, she actually called the police on him three times. Yeah. Huh. She found um in his apartment creepy objects she couldn't understand, like crutches, a meat cleaver, surgical gloves, and a paper sack of women's clothes. Yeah. I, I, heard, the, I, I, I knew I heard about, about the crutches. That. And that is how What's the, who was one of the first victims? Um, George Ann? Oh gosh, unfortunately there's so many. There are so many, but um, there was, I think, two women who were abducted by him um, from, um, described as a man who was on crutches. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And probably like, because that made him seem like he was like, vulnerable and easy to trust like right. when he killed those two girls at like Sammamish he had his arm in a sling and he was trying to get a sailboat into his right. into his beetle. beetle yep um and they they don't talk about in this movie and I thought that they were gonna go there towards the end of the movie when they're like doing a flashback to kind of Ted and Liz in their apartment or whatever and she's like lying down on the bed and he's like looking down at her with his fingers like out like he's you know framing her I thought that that was gonna be a flashback and they the scene was gonna continue and show how he was violent with her Mm -hmm. but they didn't do that and they leave that out. They leave out the fact that in the memoir, she talks about how he did get violent with her. and Which I think is a huge, if you're going to come from her side of the story, you should show things like that. Absolutely. Because it painted a picture of of who he was. He could be the most charming man in the world. And she said a switch would flip and he was scary. Mm-hmm. But when he turned it off and it, he went back to loving Ted... That's that's what all that's all that mattered to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very weird, and I'm trying to think of why they would do it that way and not show Ted's violent tendencies with Liz. But maybe it was just to like protect Liz in a way, the portrayal of Liz, so that she didn't look like a crazy person who obviously was like abused and you know had a violent boyfriend and she still loved him and believed him after all these years but i don't really know and see the thing is is unfortunately that happens all the time not just with serial killers you know with just regular violent men Mm -hmm. and it's it's very unfortunate i would have i wish i feel like this movie does such a disservice to liz i feel like it doesn't do enough to tell her story i feel like it's more a love letter to ted bundy i feel again i feel the casting for ted was great i loved zach efron i think it's one of the best things he's done and i said this to both allison and karen before we recorded that he carries he and lily collins carry this movie mm-hmm. they do such a great job if they had found nobodies to do these characters it would have been a giant flop and nobody would have cared. But the fact that we have this big name, Zac Efron, everyone knows who Zac Efron is. And they're so excited to see him in this scary, creepy role because he's never done anything like that before. It wouldn't have gotten nearly as much press. Netflix probably wouldn't have even cared about it. And even if they did buy it and it just was a straight to Netflix film, there wouldn't have been any hype over it, I don't think at all. And so again, you know, I think he did a great job, but I feel like it was so much about him. And it's like, if it's going to be about Ted and from his perspective and showing what he did, do more of that and go that route. I felt like the narrative was so clunky and confusing and again, does a disservice to Liz. I feel like it didn't tell her story fairly and accurately. And I'm so, I'm really pissed off now that I know that that hacksaw thing was not real. (laughs) And they didn't say anything about that in the documentary either, but like that pissed me off that now that I know that that's not real, I'm like, well, I mean, I know towards the end, like in the last like week before he was executed, he just started admitting all of these things and gotten like really gritty detail about some of the murders and the disappearances but I would that that like ruins it for me now that that like Sorry. did that whole scene didn't happen right and they ta- they have all these events and things that occur while 
Liz and Ted aren't even in contact and she's like watching from the outside and I didn't really dig into her book or research that but I wonder if she was really like that obsessed as they portrayed her when she's like you know with Jerry or with this new guy or you know she's avoiding Ted altogether but is she really still sitting there watching the television watching the court proceedings knowing all the details I can't imagine that that would be comfortable for her something that she would really want to partake in because like everyone from you know the area that they lived is gonna know you know all the details and they're probably gonna ask her questions like I don't know I feel like that would be super awkward and probably really tough for her to watch that um Jerry too was like a stand-up guy like to kind of fall for this woman that he knew was suffering and being so patient with her i don't want to upset you but he wasn't real either fuck it's not that he man (laughs) no so the best friend and jerry are i'm probably going to use this wrong amalgamations of a bunch of people Mm, that helped her well i she's like her boss was a very very supporting boss she talks about how her boss um her co-workers her friends all all of them came together and she had such a support structure that they were the ones that finally helped her break free of damn sorry Haley, you're not real (laughs) also that friend joanne that girl she's from westworld in case you were wondering Uh, what she's from she's fantastic in westworld um i could not figure out who she was until today when i was looking it up and i was like oh Wait, but, um, Karen, you've just ruined this whole movie. I'm for sorry. Me. I am somebody that I <laughs> No, it's it's nobody fine. wants to watch movies with me because I pick them apart all the time. I do too. Um I mean because I, I don't it's not that I don't I when I watch stuff if I'm gonna watch a real show, I want it to be real. I don't watch reality television like The Bachelor, The Bachelor. I don't watch any of those shows because they're fake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like watching like the Ted Bundy tapes because those are real. Yeah. That's factual. And they they could have made this so much more factually intense. Yeah. And it would have been just as good. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe that. I think, I agree with you. I thought it was choppy. They were all over the place. It was something we had talked about. It seemed like they took a little bit of her perspective and then just cut in pieces of the, the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah, it was basically like the documentary, but in like acted out. Yeah. Yeah, stylized heavily with like some, you know, the footage that you miss from the documentary that you wish you had. It's the acted out footage mm-hmm. of that, but it's kind of made up, obviously. Yeah. Karen's just like, you know, blown holes in the <laughs> story. Anything else that didn't actually happen. <laughs> Yeah, give us the give us the scoop. I no, I think most of it is pretty good. Um, you know, they never talked about, like you said, the talk uh, his violent side with her. He tried to kill her. Yeah. He actually, he had called her from prison. He had plugged the flue of their chimney of the chimney, and it got really smoky. And he tried to kill her that way. She's like, I remember that night. I woke up and I was coughing and tears running out of my eyes was opening up all the windows and she's like i was mad at him because he was supposed to bring a fan back Jeez, and they left that out yeah see not that i and she had no idea that he had tried to do that to her she she just thought it was a weird freak accident hmm. so how did she find out later did he he tell... called her from prison oh to god tell her to tell her oh he also i read the things that they like missed from her memoir um, is that she found out from Ted that he burned some body parts in their fireplace. Oh, my oh, God. I did not know that. Yes. See, I wish that we had more of the real story. Well, and the it, title of the show is Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And we Let's don't put really some of those much I have to say in congratulations there. because I have yet to get that title out. <laughs> I've l- it's written on my piece of paper. <laughs> I have thought about it. And I'm like, God, what is this? And I was like, is it shockingly wicked? I was like, all I could remember is Vile, where I call it that right. Ted Bundy movie. And um, another thing, this is comical to me. The Papillion book that they keep talking about. Yeah. Papillon. Papillon. Uh, Ted never mentioned that to Liz. Not even once. Oh. She didn't read it. Super dramatized version of what really happened. But honestly, it wasn't even 
because one of my biggest complaints about the movie is it was boring. Yeah, there was not that much drama. It was bo- it was mostly the trials, which like again, we learned everything about in the Ted Bundy tapes. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to see footage, you know, of him in the courtroom. I didn't, I didn't need, need to, to see that. I didn't need to hear the judge say again. What a waste of talent. You would have been a great lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And watching Ted, like, smile, like, oh, mm. thanks. I have to say, when I watched the Ted Bundy tapes and that judge said that to him, I stopped and just went, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> who says that to a man who just got found guilty for murder? Of a 12-year-old. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, he's like, oh, it's a waste of life. I'm like, what about the hundred women you killed? That's a real waste of life, dude. The, the only scene that I thought was, well, not the only scene, but one of the scenes I also thought, you know, which they show clips of it at the end during the tr- uh, the credits, where he comes out and they're reading. The perp walk? Yes. That scene was pretty cool because it did show like how cocky and arrogant he was. Oh, yeah. I went and looked it up again and, and watched the clip of the perp. there were more. Yeah. You know? He he was... I thought they did a pretty good job with the lawyer that walked out on him. Yeah. Yeah. He looked just like the guy from the... And then those tapes, the that tape. guy was just like, I'm done. And just walked out. And I'm like, that... They did a, a very good job with that. Um, but, you know, once again, it's just a... It's just an acted version mm-hmm. I think of the that, tapes. I think that there was... It was... And with this movie, I just feel that it was so much wasted potential. There could have been so much more. And not to say that I am an advocate for violent films. There are a lot of movies that I just can't watch more than once if it's too violent or graphic. I just can't. And not to say that I wanted to see people being murdered or things like that. but Or especially like a story about an, a woman in an abusive relationship. I know those can be really hard for, for people to watch and listen to, especially when it's a true story. But I feel like this movie was so wasted on what it could have been there's still so much they could have done by being being tasteful and I know that was a big thing people you know they're like well what about the victims like we're just glorifying the serial killer so maybe that's why they didn't show any of that stuff they wanted to pay respect which and I that's fine, which I understand you're still glorifying the serial killer without paying respect to the victims and the only respect that they had was at the very very end when they have the title cards of you know, Ted Bundy was executed January 24th, 1989. Liz still lives in, uh, where does she live? Like Washington? Yeah. I think. Um, she's been sober. And uh, here is a list of the known victims of Ted Bundy. And they list, you know, all, I think it's 33 women that we know of. Um, that's the only time they ever really pay any respect to the victims at all. And it was just kind of cheap. Just kind of thrown in there at the end. I, mm-hmm. I agree. I just feel like there wasn't enough done to not show the victims but to to give sympathy to the victims there was nothing in there to memorialize them it was just they just you know and here's a here's a name here's a name here's a name and then you're done they don't put enough emphasis on the severity of the crimes in my opinion you know they talk about you abducted this girl. Well, they don't talk about what he really did to abduct the girl from the mall. I think it was Carol Duran. Or was it Carol Duranch? Durant. Yeah. yeah. Um, that they, he, you know, he attempted to kidnap from the mall and how he handcuffed her. They don't talk about how brutal those things were. They really... And go- how they figured it out with the key, you remember? Yeah. And how they look... You know, I, I guess our expectations were a little bit different and we know all the details but watching this makes me want to go back and watch the ted bundy tapes so i can fill in all the gaps that i know i missed and and you're right the brutality of it when in many cases all they found were was the skull and jawbone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's it what you know so maybe some of the body parts were burned in their fireplace maybe it's somewhere else but it's like when you're only finding heads or you're finding bodies without heads they do talk about heads they do talk about in the kyle mega sorority that one girl was um raped but with like a foreign object they mentioned that like a hairspray bottle or something they mentioned that and they mentioned that these girls were bludgeoned but that i think that was actually real live news footage right but 
I agree with you, Jamie. I'm not advocating for violence or violence against women, but I guess I wanted to see them paint a more evil and sinister picture of Ted, maybe not doing the acts, but, you know, if they had even showed, again, the only scene we get is at the end, the, you know, while he's writing out Hacksaw and showing how he murdered the woman and, you know, Mm -hmm. how he cut off her head and, I wish we had seen something else like that in the middle, like seeing him like, oh, like I'm in class and he's, you know, burying a woman in the woods or mm-hmm. something, you know, like it, just something like that. Like it doesn't have to be super gory. To and, show the polar opposite of who yeah. he really was, how he was this real like two-faced dude who was like a stand-up, you know, law student by day and then a woman murderer by night. It was just... You know, we are so fascinated by stories like this, especially true stories. And I feel like if you're going to do a movie about it, there's a very fine line that you need to stay on. And I mean, I feel this way if we were to do a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer or Albert Fish or John Wayne Gacy. I mean, it's it's hard if you want to make movies like this. We're so interested, but you know, you have the victims and their families you need to respect, but if you're going to do this and you have the ability to, and you have, you know, the permission to do it, you got to do it right. And I just don't think they did. I really don't. What other information do you have for us, Karen? I, I was actually more fascinated with the Carol Ann Boone story. I just like, like you said, what drew her to him? That would be an interesting movie. And would that be about is her. why she believed him. For so long. And then what changed? Mm -hmm. What changed in that time that she said, "Uh, okay, maybe he is guilty? Or what happened that that she was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Why did she leave him? Do we know? Nobody. There is a rumor that maybe she found out he was having an affair with one of his defense attorneys. Oh, God. What? Gross. (laughs) Well, I can imagine... um, I guess I can't imagine um, believing somebody, you know, okay, yeah, you, yeah, you're wrongly accused, but to sit in court and see all of the evidence presented and see all of those things that point it all to, you know, the defendant, to Ted, how can you not, like, how can you not have some reasonable doubt, like that, okay, gosh, like, there are holes in his story or he was in Colorado at this time or you know he was you know uh you know in Utah like it fits he doesn't have an alibi not just hey I was in Colorado he was in the towns that where these girls are disappearing it's it's like oh is that's just unless somebody is following you and committing these murders like right behind you (laughs) there's beyond reasonable doubt just the circumstantial evidence is enough i i did think they did a good job in utah when he was convicted and taken away and liz is sitting there and then looks over at the family and they are just glaring at her like who are you and why are you with this person almost and she's like oh crap i have to look at the the victim's families now Mm -hmm. yeah i thought they did that they did a pretty good job with. Mm-hmm. That was my thumbs up to the movie. There's definitely some good things here. Um, and again, you know, there's a fine line with, with stuff like this. And it's never going to be exactly what you want it to be. But I just, I had a lot more higher hopes for this. And I feel like I was a little let down. But um, in my opinion, if you want to be disturbed and learn something, watch the Ted Bunny tapes. Yep. Because I found that to be so fascinating. I learned so much about him. I was really upset by the end of it. What was it? Eight episodes long? Or was it, was it only four, four episodes? Or... It felt like eight episodes because they were so long. I watched it. They were so emotionally I draining. Them. Yeah. It was like watching eight episodes. I watched it twice in like four days. I feel like Five that days. is the best way they could tell a story about Ted Bundy. They did not glorify him in any way. They just presented what he said. They presented the facts, and that's what it was. I feel like the movie just is a glamorized version of that, and I'm actually really glad it wasn't released in theaters because I feel like it could have been even worse. 
I feel like they probably made some changes to it too because it felt like it was not low budget, but like it it didn't feel like a theatrical movie yeah. that just happened to be on Netflix. I think that if you were to, if you were to watch this film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, first, and then go watch the Ted Bundy tapes, you might have a different outcome or a different perspective. Yeah. Because, like I said, after I watched this, I felt like I wanted to go back and watch the Ted Bundy tapes and fill in some of those holes and fill in some of those gaps where they kind of glazed over things. But this left a lot to be desired. I agree. Well, you guys, let's get to our review of this one. Uh, We go on a five-star scale, as always. (sighs) I was stuck between 2.5 and 3. And I think I'm going to give it... This is going to be my lowest score. I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5 because, and that's, I guess, like 50, you know, 50%, um, if you want to look at it that way. I just felt the best part of it was the lead actors that we had. They did a great job with what they were given. I think that Zac Efron gave it his all, but there was only so much he could do with the clunky narrative, and I didn't like what they decided to leave out. And I especially don't like what they decided to just make up. (laughs) That makes me mad. That definitely pushed me more towards the 2.5 score. Um, There's just so much more that it could have been. And I could go on about it, but I feel like you you get my point by this point in the, in the podcast, but it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I was really disappointed. So 2.5 out of five. I'm going to be giving this one a, two out of five. Oh, I know. I think that's our lowest rating ever. Yeah. Um, I just, I think people have a fascination with serial killers and like these, these evil things because it's so impossible to imagine sometimes. Um, or it's like, how could it, how could a person ever think to do something like this? but they kind of gloss over that so it doesn't make it feel that extreme. Yeah. It doesn't make it feel that evil or that it's dramatic. This was boring. Like, I yeah. well, I started it and I fell asleep within 15 minutes, but that was on me because I was tired. <laughs> but then I, re- I restarted it and I was watching it and I remember, like, pausing it to see how much time I had left and I was like, 40 minutes to go. <laughs> And what's happened? Like, I I was like, okay. Like, I wanted more drama in the escape scene. I wanted, like, they said Ted lost, like, 25 pounds when he was, like, missing for six days in the mountains. I wanted more of that. Um, and I don't think it's fair to say that it's from Liz's perspective. Mm-mm. Because it really isn't. They do focus on Liz, like, uh, you know, a little bit, but it's mostly about Ted. So don't say it's from Liz's perspective if it's not from that. It, I agree. It glam, it's very glam, glamorized and uh, romanticized. And f- <sighs> yeah, Zach Efron, he did a great job. Lily Collins did a phenomenal job. But like you said, you can only do so much with horrible writing. Yep my opinion all right i have to go with allison it it got a two and if i'm going to look at it strictly from a movie perspective it was boring and choppy it didn't tell the story the way it needed to be told i think they hollywoodized it to make everybody feel better um i'm pretty sure when Ted Bundy was strip searched in the shower. He did not look like Zac Efron. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, damn. I'm like, um, <laughs> look at that. Did you just work out and spray tan uh, every part of your body? Oh, wait. I don't even think they had spray tans. Um, no tan lines. So I just feel like you could have, you've made, you took this great story and tried to make it, give it the Hollywood ending everybody wanted to have. And it's not a story that should have a Hollywood ending. Right. You should feel a little bit sad and drained. And I, I wanted to sympathize with Liz a lot more that she lived this life and loved this person who was a father figure to her daughter. 
and just could not reconcile the fact that he did these terrible things. And it took years of friends and family and support and Alcoholics Anonymous to get better. And, you know, we just made the serial killer look hot and gorgeous and fun, fun, fun. And we didn't give respect to the victims and to the people that knew him that were betrayed by him, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Hollywood betrayed us by giving us a boring thumbs down movie. That was a really good review, Karen. Yeah, I I totally agree. They don't put the audience in a uncomfortable situation. Like there's when you watch the Ted Bundy tapes, you're like, oh my god, this is disgusting. This is vile. I should feel, I should feel horrible and disgusted. And after this, I'm like, good night. Because when he is talking on those tapes, he is schmarmy. He's so arrogant and arrogant, and you're just like. You, I reviled him, mm-hmm. just reviled listening to those tapes. And so when I was done, I was like, oh, I just have to go sit out back, maybe crack a beer open and relax. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And after the movie, you're just. And you're give thanks that I don't, I didn't have to live that life. <laughs> yeah. I wish this could be redone in the way that it should be from Liz's perspective. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I feel like huge wasted opportunity with this, um, huge waste of Zac Efron's talent. Honestly, I hope to see more serious roles from him because I I do think he did a great job, but totally wasted, wasted talent every, every which way you look at it. Um, but yeah, well guys, let us know in the comments what you thought of this movie, if you've seen it. Um, and we're going to take a little break from the, uh, from the dark and the creepy and the sad for the next couple of weeks. We have some fun reviews coming up in the weeks to come for the rest of May. And we really hope that, uh, you guys take a listen to those in the meantime, let us know if there's anything that you guys want us to review. There's a ton of stuff coming out, new shows on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon. Let us know if there's something you want us to review. We'd be happy to, we'll add it to our list. Unless it's Game of Thrones. We're not going to talk about that on this show. <laughs> there's no. not enough time to talk about no. Game of Thrones. No. And you know what we were talking about at the last season of uh, Orange is the New Black comes out sometime this summer. And I originally thought maybe we could review that because that's a show that I've been watching from the beginning. It's impossible. There's no way we can cover all of the garbage that happens in that show. But, uh, But until next week, guys, you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.